1: It's Rusty here, all set for part two of my podcast with respected supercars team boss Jeff Grek. If you haven't heard part one, you've got to check it out, from his early years racing motorcycles, working in drag racing, on the tools for Peter Brock and Larry Perkins, to the factory Nissan team, and his early years at HRT. I begin this second instalment by... Talking about the drive for young talent at the Holden Racing Team, unearthing the likes of Craig Lowndes and promoting Greg Murphy, a move that was a masterstroke but came with some challenges.
0: Initially, when we tested Craig on the quiet, I mean, it probably stems from me mm-hmm. personally, you know, I was a young guy and, and I wanted to go racing and I, I struggled. You know, obviously I did the motorbike thing but would have loved to do a car thing and I was always looking for, you know, give a young guy a break and let's let's try and find a Peter Brock or mm-hmm. Mark by then was doing well and I'd and i had the experience with the Jim Richards, uh, Mark Scoff thing. So I thought I need to replicate that and, and get everyone on board with it but it was, it, I mean, you've got... Commercial responsibilities. You know, you've got major sponsors, the factory, you know, the Holden component, and then you say, right, we've got Peter Brock and they, everyone wants two stars in there. And when you go, oh, I want to put a young guy in, I, I, obviously I was young then and, and I was bullish and I, I just tried to take no prisoners mm-hmm. other than if John Crennan definitely said no, mm-hmm. I would definitely not do because mm-hmm. I, I I wanted to do what he wanted me to do, but he gave me enough rope to – and I you always knew when it got to the knot that was going to hang me, mm-hmm. he'd pull me up and go, Jeff, you know. <laughs> enough. But he let me run with Craig. John Harvey actually was – John was then motorsport uh, manager when we had Hold Motorsport on the side, and John had come to the test. I invited John out, and John – John was a bit of a confident as far as the driving mm-hmm. side of things and he agreed, you know, Craig just, within a day, Craig had got the hang of it. Like he was just ripped, tear and bust. You just couldn't believe that, you know, I think the thir- the second day he was matching and probably bettering times of our
1: regular drivers. So just share a little bit more there, Jeff. So this is a pretty key moment when you realise you know you've got something special where where were you where did you take him testing so
0: so it was all colder it was all colder uh, initially and not many of the team initially knew we were doing it i just a few select mm-hmm. and look he i guess greg it's like it's like a young olympian or you know when someone does something in their sport and you know the sport like so you you've got times of your regular drivers at around the same circuit and when someone jumps in and goes bang and and within a short time, they're past him, you go, "Well, you know what the other athletes are doing to get what they do and he this young bloke comes in and smashes him, you just go, "Wow, and we just did we went i mean I was excited i, I just couldn't help myself. I just thought, Wow, well, we've got a young guy, and you know what Craig's like you know it was oh ah, 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 ah. yeah you know, he's <laughs> he's he was a dollar a minute doing everything, and um." We just couldn't believe it, and once that happened, I, it was just, you know, we've got to get him in a car. We, we've got to have him on our team, and it wasn't just me. You know, the the we we're all a young team, so I mean, initially talking to John, John was not he, he he backed me, but obviously he was getting. Once we sort of made it official that he was, he was gonna come on board and test, you know, officially because he. He'd already worn the car out three times, and, uh, and Mort was the other one. Mort was more because Mort had sneak out all the Bridgestone tires out the Calder, and so Mort was. He
1: recalls very fondly, Jeff, the 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 learnings from Craig, how he soaked everything yeah. up, and he he um how quickly he adapted yeah. in the manner that I think you're reflecting now.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely! Like you know, he he obviously he'd be fast and. the, the ties, the back ties, coming rooted, you know. So right. more to go. Hey, mate, you know, just wall you know, right. you're fast, but you know, if you want to make them live, you know, do this and that. So, there was all that experience around our team, and Craig just loved it. And to his credit, he took it all and just run with it and run, right. run a thousand mile an hour, and and we and we were the, you know, everyone says, oh. HRT made Craig Lowndes. and I so I've said this before, Rusty. Craig Lowndes made HRT, you right. know, together with Peter. But he, with respect, he was just awesome, and you know, it was great
1: journey. It was a great journey. His growth curve was was massive. I mean, you've reflected about how much ninety six means to you, from a of success to with with um, Craig and and Greg Murphy, the the championship success. And then he decides to venture off to Europe for a, a crack at F three thousand. And was there ever an attempt to sort of talk him out of it, or was it about encouraging his dream?
0: Oh no, for, I, I well, obviously when he wanted to do it. I, in one sense, wanted him to, be, you know, I wanted him to be Formula One. I, you know, yeah. at that stage, you know, I, I'd always admired Ayrton Centre and yep. and the Prost and that, but and I and I in in my heart, genuinely, I thought. Craig will go over there, and, and not knowing the pathway in Europe, but yep. I just I just dreamt that he'll be Craig Lounge as good as Ant and Center. That that was initial, and then the second one was oh shit, he's leaving us. But then we had Greg Murphy then, so we, hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a real oh that doesn't matter. We've got Greg, and hmm. um, at the end of the day, I felt it was the right thing for. Craig and for Australia for him to go over and have a crack.
1: I was going to say, Greg Murphy talks too about the, the fact that when you first called him to involve him, another young bloke in the squad, is it true, Jeff, that he thought it was a piss-take phone call and he either hung up or he wasn't convinced it was really you? I can't
0: remember because
1: oh, of my age, but I think I ended up having to ring Kevin, his dad,
0: so say, hey, I just rang Greg and, and he's pissed me off.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to get hold of him because, you know, we'd like, we'd like to get him in the car. You made his dream come true. Did, is, you, you put him in Brock's car at Calder, is that right? That was, I think, his first run.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rusty, he did exactly what – he he emulated what Craig done. Went in there and bang, you know. And so when Craig went over early to start the end of the year, we had the New Zealand races. John said, don't worry, Jeff." we'll – let him go to Europe and we'll use Greg because we had the success at Bathurst. So we went over there and, mate, he dro- – my fondest memory w- of Greg was at the Wellington Street Race and yep. down the front straight they had a chicane and it was – you so you went on one side, of you, you were driving down the right-hand side and you crossed over onto the left-hand side and he was behind – and he had a shunt in practice or, yeah, I think it was practice – And, look, he was down and I said, mate, it's only gravel rash. We'll we'll be right. So I think George and Dennis from Denco were over there and they were wizards, you know, before too long. You know, it looked as straight as a die. And uh, so that race, Paul Radisic was in front and I remember he went through the chicane past Paul Radisic sideways (laughs) and then flicked it and passed him. And it was just like I remember watching all the people hanging out the buildings, uh, just the yelling. When he was signed, I thought, "Oh shit, he's going to hit the wall again." He's actually passed him sideways, so not a conventional. It was, and I remember John and I, uh, John Crenn and I, and and Kenny Shell. He was a sponsorship manager, and we'd had a few beers that night afterwards, and we were just, "Hey, Craig's over there. He'll be out in center, and we've got Greg Murphy. He'll be the next new guy." And we we just thought it was just fantastic.
1: The level of scrutiny, perhaps because of all the great success that you'd had and because of all the energy behind uh, HRT, that perhaps in, in Greg's case, the level of scrutiny was always going to be tougher than, than Craig in some respects, wasn't it?
0: Again, mate, timing's everything. You know, um, Mark wasn't... Well, the Gibson Motorsport thing was running out of money and and Mark was looking for... A, you know, we approached Mark uh, a couple of times and it was no, and then we decided... You know, we had a chat to him about... Could he leave Gibson Motorsport early and do the – and partner with Brock in 97? And that was a disastrous year. You know, it was a disaster. Again, I copped a lot of flack, but you have to wear it. You know, I tried to keep it away from the team because obviously Craig had the off and obviously that finished that car for the race. And then we had the airbox fire and it was Peter's last – you know, it was his swan song. and And – and – just on that particular race, that that really, I mean, that affected me personally because I remember, not not Peter so much, but they thought you know we we weren't trying hard enough to get the car back out, but we lifted the airbox off and all the wiring was melted and we didn't know at that stage how the airbox fire was happening. We do know now, like we we knew afterwards, with it was with the the way the fuel injection sequencing was happening. I panicked because I thought if we patch it up, we get it it back out and and there is a fire not in pit lane and people get hurt. And I was thinking of Peter Uh, uh. himself. You know, I had the envious task of saying we're pulling the car. So both HRT cars were out. We had the young lines, you know, obviously Jason put it in the fence in the warm-up and so it wasn't a good look and, you know, again, I went to John when we got home and said, "Look, I'll fall on the sword if I have to." And um, you know, he again—it was another time—he backed me and said, "Look, Jeff, you know, go and have a week off with your with your wife and the kids, and and shake yourself up and get back." So, but yeah, for Greg personally, I I wanted him to have a cracking—you know—keep him on. Mm-hmm. But but Mark, you know. Mark had arrived, Holden got involved on driver selection, which mm-hmm. never really used to happen, but it did. So unfortunately, you know, Mark got the gig in 98 and Greg didn't. If you turn back time, what would you do again? Well, you only got to look at Mark and Craig. You know, they they had a lot of success. I generally think with, with Craig and Murph would have had the same. Um... But you know, history's painted now. You can't, yeah. you can't, you can't unpick the Picasso. So, um, no. but look, we uh, one thing we did do, and and all credit to Johnny, recognised Greg's talent and efforts, and obviously got him back into Kmart, and, and he was a bloody awesome driver, mm. and and really proved that you know he was worthy of the of the ninety eight season in HRT. But it didn't happen.
1: Jeff, I've got some questions from fans on on Facebook here, which we'll get to in a minute. But but firstly, uh, you've been very candid in this discussion here about how you've kind of put your hand up on occasion when things didn't necessarily go right and would you, to use your own words, fall on your your sword or, or leave or whatever. In that period, not the bad days, the good days and the good years when there was so much success happening, Were there ever overtures from other teams to try and lure you away from HRT?
0: Yeah, there was. Um, I guess uh, I would never move. I I mean, there was offers, but I I would, you know, as long as John Crennan was my boss, I I was there till he didn't want me, basically. Um, I guess when the the 2003 TWR Empire crashed, that really unfortunate, you know, and uh, I guess privately, I know John was and I was never together, but we are in tears because we just won Bathurst in 2002 and the championship and we were bought into the woes of TWR Group UK, which to this day Geoffrey Brown, who was a director of TWR Australia then, really thinks that we, sh- you know, there was, I guess there was evidence where we, you know, that, that shouldn't have happened, but I know John had, had it going on for 18 months and and he was worn out and uh and I was in on myself because I was a director as well but I know John um, bore the brunt of all that uh collapse uh unfortunately and and I guess that changed life and I won't go into how and why it all happened it was that's another that's another podcast but um there was some pretty dirty stuff and uh, so 2000 it then turned into, as you know, they individualised the, the assets from HRT and Kmart and what have you and Holden Motorsport was formed again and and then Craig Wilson, uh, Tom had a guy who was an expat, Craig Wilson had come over and basically there was two of us anointed to do the one job and, and it didn't work. Um, I was unhappy. You know, Tom, by that time, had started reinventing himself because he still had he, – he managed to hang on to HSV. And I guess at that time I knew I wasn't wanted there, uh, mainly because of Craig. He had his ideas of how to run a ship and it wasn't – it wasn't how I wanted to run it. And so there was an offer actually from DJR. Um, wow. Uh, so, Dick, I met with Dick and, um, Chalks, yeah. And, and, and we got, we got pretty serious, but I, they, they had some, it got serious to the point, and then they had some sponsorship issues and what have you. So, I didn't go. And then, obviously, obviously, Tom and I had the big powwow, and things weren't, things weren't blossoming there as far as a relationship. And I ended up, um, we, we, we shook hands and de- decided to depart. So um, it's a shame, really, because I know John was John and Mark Curtis were very upset, and and especially for John and I, we we had some stuff mapped out for 2010, you know. And I know no, nothing ever stays the same, but it it was sad. It, it sort of broke me a little bit, to be honest, uh, Rusty. You know, um, how badly, Jeff? Emotionally, oh. Well you know bad enough to um I don't want to go into details, mm. but it was pretty bad you know mm. it was it was bad I start questioning myself and at that stage I had Jane on board you know mm-hmm. um uh, Jane and I were together, and um you know luckily that was the case because sort of she calmed me down a little bit and we just tried to try to get on with life but Probably other than that, and I don't want to change course too much. Mm-hmm. Probably the, the other, the other, the biggest regret not was not only that, but probably when Craig went to Ford, mm-hmm. um, that was a big moment for me. And and look, I I don't think I handled myself well at all um, in that. I, and it got messy, obviously, with you know with contracts and stuff like that. But I. I took the side of the team and and the blokes, and I probably didn't handle it anywhere near as well as. As a matter of fact, you know, um, for a lot of years I didn't have contact with with Craig, and over not because I didn't want to. It just we sort of departed, and we never really had a one on one with each other over a beer or something, and. And and I know he did it for good reasons and there's no two ways about it. You know, Ford Ford wanted him and Ford got him and that's how, you know, that's how sporting entities happen. You know, people come along and this team, you know, snavels that that guy. Um, I I was disappointed in the way that I, I knew he had a long life with Holden, which, to believe it, or not, it's done a full circle because circle, yeah, because um, yeah, now Roland's HRT and 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 he's and now, you know, Craig is still recognised as a Holden guy and and mm. and he's got Ford fans. There's no two ways about it. He, everyone loves Craig for Craig, not bec- what what he drives. But to me, having having the Holden halo back around him, uh, he and Lara, I think I think it's a great thing. For him, especially, especially now he's sort of semi-retired.
1: Are you talking a bit more now?
0: Oh yeah, you know we we, we bumped into each other. You were there we're at Mort's at Mort's sixtieth. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, and it was a privilege. You know, I met that was when I met Lara for the first time, and and uh, we we've really connected. Um, I'm pleased. Which was which was great because we had that we had that period where I, I think I I felt a bit lost because I. I sort of hadn't been in touch with Craig so it was it was good it was good and really appreciate I really appreciate him him and Lara taking the time to reconnect it, it's been been a bit of a highlight of my later years to be honest
1: I'm pleased Jeff The circuit at Winton Motor Raceway has a combination of long, fast straights and twisty, tight bends. It is also known as Australia's action track. Dick Johnson once described the circuit being like running a marathon around your clothesline. Here's a couple of questions for you if you're comfortable. Firstly, Craig Miles. He says, can you compare the eras, HRT, 888, now DJR, Team Penske? But what he's asking is, What's required, in your opinion, to stay on top for long periods?
0: I, I think it comes down to staff. I had three three main goals that I always worked on, and in no way I'm disclaiming the importance of the whole three, but firstly mm-hmm. it was staff. You had to have the best staff. Then number two was the equipment, and then number three was the driver. So that order doesn't reflect on the importance of each of them. It's just mm-hmm. unless you get the team, your staff right, it doesn't matter what equipment you got or what driver you got. You know, you've got to have that that team uh, all the best you can get and all pull in one way.
1: Here's another one from Billy Hickey. How does it make you feel knowing that 2020, the Bathurst 1000, yeah. is the last for Holden in an official capacity? Holden's been a big part of your life I never thought we'd see this day, Jeff.
0: Easy did I, Rusty. I, I gotta say, and I, you know, it'll be hard, but I'll, um, <laughs> I'll probably shed a tear. Look, know, yeah, that's how it, it's unfortunately happened that way. Um, I'd like to think Holden is a long memory. Actually, um, I've been fortunate, enough, as you know, I'm working at uh, Winton for the Benalla Auto Club, and we've, we've actually made a, we've in. We've come up with an idea of called the Holden Last Lap and and the Benalla Club, the Benalla Auto Club, the 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 executive have actually licensed that name. So, uh, what we what we what we're going to do with our two venues, both Wakefield and we'll always keep the memory of Holden burning for sure. That's and, and I've been lucky enough that the BAC have backed that idea,
1: which is which is great. That's terrific. We'll talk more about Winton shortly. Here's one uh, from Graham Largallo. He says you've worked with some very different personalities over time. He's talking drivers here now. How do you go about managing some of those? Say, for example, Mark Scaife and Craig Lowndes. I mean, I think you and I have spoken at, at times. It's a bit like Days of Thunder there for you on occasion, wasn't it, with those two boys? It was super competitive. <laughs> Mate, I I mean, that was, um, you know, we
0: talked about 96 with with Craig and Greg uh, winning, but I've got to tell you, the excitement and the, uh, and I guess the purple patch for me was those two drivers and when they were driving together because they were I'd come home and and honestly, you talk about a couple of beers, but there was times there was more than a couple. I don't want to go into it and I don't promote it, <laughs> but but they they those two blokes were the were a handful, but boy did. Did they lift the team? I mean, she's. I. There wouldn't have been a day gone by when when those two were in the workshop that that there was not a positive come out of any negative. So, but absolutely, as a team manager, that's when the hair started receding, <laughs> and um, and one beer a night turned into a couple.
1: Here's one from Greg Crillon. I think it is. Um, have you got a view on? supercars in the wake of Holden's exit and the fact that they're looking to the future. And, you know, Jeff, um, if you had some input, what would you perhaps like to see the, the next phase of supercars become?
0: That's an interesting run, Rusty. I, I honestly think that, uh, and, and it's probably more what's probably uh, accelerated it more is the whole COVID world at the moment. Just as a general chat, I was talking about Winton, and I was having a chat with um, Roland, you know, and and a few other, a few other, t- you know, my, my ex team uh, Charlie Schwerkolt, Team Eighteen, and and I think there's there's going to be a big reset. There has to be because now everyone's seen the COVID world, and 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 people. I've had to cope with it. I think it's affected motorsport and it's affected supercars in a way where they're going to have to do a reset. I think the first thing they're going to have to do is get costs out of it. And and the second one is they're going to have to – the entertainment's got to be paramount. And I don't like false entertainment. You and I, Rusty, have been around racetracks. We like the gun-ho, the best team and the best cars win, but – Within, you'll always have the best team and the best car be there, but I think they, there's got to be a change that I, off the top of my head. They've got to entice um, the amount of cars that are on, on the grid to stay there and, and possibly more and, and allow... And, and I think they've played with a couple of things this year that, that have mixed it up with tyre choice and you know the amount of tyres and whether you go soft or hard... I think they've got, probably got to do more of that for the entertaining and give everyone a chance because the first time in – I mean, Scotty McLaughlin, I mean, he is, he is as good as a, a Peter Brock, Craig Lowndes, Jamie Wincup. There's no two ways about it. The guy – you can see the guy. Um, they come along every now and again, and he's 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 one of them. Um, but there's certainly – Certainly, got to for, for supercars to keep everyone interested. There's a there's a fair bit of work to do, and I don't know what that is. They and take cost out of it.
1: Carl Phillips, he's asked about uh, what it was like to work with Jason Richards because you spent some time at Tasman Motorsport, obviously, and were there along the way? Because you've done some great things with young drivers, Jeff. Were there a couple of others that you perhaps made overtures to that maybe you didn't get to to see come on board? Maybe some other young drivers that you'd hope to to help along the way. Oh. Certainly, Jason.
0: Jason was a, a ripper young bloke. Um, I guess in 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 modern times, I mean, I think that Tom Randall, they are those guys yeah, well. coming up. Um, young young uh, Golding, even look. I know, and I want to get into the politics of it all, but even even young blokes like the Hearns who I mean, he missed out on a drive at Bathurst, but mm-hmm. I, I think we've got to the the sports obliged to keep young blokes in, and 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 I, I this is me, and it's an opinion, but I think, you know, the way for the the, the present way is you do super, super three, super two, and then you're in the, the year you accumulate your your points or your experience or whatever. But but I, you know, I saw young. Young Hearn drive when he was up here testing in Gary's and I've seen him in his in his TA2 car. So I think I think the the category supercars is I, I, they don't want to box themselves. So I know they they've got their own method that they come through the ranks, but I think they've got to broaden that and allow other young blokes from other categories. I mean, Craig had never gone to a supercar in his like he, he did Formula Ford and was. Had a had a little bit of a stint in a Formula Holden, and we put him in a car, and and exactly what we talked about before. Everyone, like, it was a, it was the most stupid act put to me that I'd ever done, you know. But look where he is now. You, you, we've just got to give young guys a bit of a break, and look, it it doesn't always work. I remember, and and I, no criticism, but I remember at Sandown parked on the side of the road on the radio saying young Craig Lounge, you know, he's a this and that, he shouldn't have been on the track. And you'll always get that. A young a young guy's got to learn, mm-hmm. so he might get in the way or he might do the wrong thing, but that's how they learn. And if we don't start thinking like that and, and recognising some of the young guys that are around now that your, your viewer just asked for, um, we're going to have old drivers with no succession plan. And and that's not good for the sport. You've got to you've got to have that excitement. You've got to have the the lounges and the ingles and Skafe when he was a bit younger and all that. Where's the next you know, you can't wait. You gotta look outside um some of the areas that they're looking for now. L- they're looking at now
1: for sure. Mark Pickley, he's di- dived back to Bathurst two thousand and two here. Uh, Scafie won that day. Jim Richards chalked up number seven, but the car was overheating. Jeff, how close did it go to blowing up that day? How nervous were you toward the end?
0: Um, mate, I, I remember I went to hop off a seat and I pulled the cover off the seat with my arsehole. So, um, <laughs> mate, it was it was close. I mean, you could see the footage. You could see the footage um, with the with the. And the pressure had blown the cap off, and it was leaking out the back over the overflow. I got I gotta say, that race was won by one person, and that's Mark Scaife. I mean, when you look at the data, he he knew it was overheating, and he knew we were gone for all money. I, I honestly, our engine blokes, we just thought shit. You know, it was do we get him in and save the engine, or do we just leave him? In? That was a that was a banter around the garage. and I just said, look. Just and I am trying to think, and I couldn't, to be honest. Um, but going up the hill, he was in front, and not by a lot. But he he just you could see the engine revs come up and the temperature come up, and he just he'd lift off that, you know, that ten percent off the throttle and glide, and then coming down the hill, he'd, he'd come right off and and managed to get down to Forest Elbow, and then the, and then instead of thumping the throttle down, he just picked it up, and and that's. That saved that car and, and that won the race. Absolutely. To this day, if they had a – my belief is, and, you know, you've been around scafing more than I have, his brain, how it works in a car when, you, when you're at 10 tenths, he is a – I've never seen a bloke like it. And he was reading that engine temperature absolutely – down, he was driving it to the gauge
1: and managing it
0: and managing it. And and that's, I've never seen it
1: before, and I probably won't see it again, to be honest. Final question from a, a listener here. In fact, a couple of them have asked it actually, and I think it reflects on 2003, what could have been a three-peat of, of Bathurst wins. And I think there was a, was it a black flag, Jeff, in relation to a door or something or other? And people can vividly recall seeing your face and how, how livid you were. Just to sort of recap on that one.
0: Oh yeah, it was. I mean, look, it it was the umpire's call, and you you know you accept it. But you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't dangerous, and you know, uh, same thing. Mate. It, coaches don't accept umpires, but they end up have to. So yeah. without being too rude, we were pissed off. Yeah, you know, it's the one that got away, but then then came up, got it anyway. So yeah. To be honest, while I was pissed off, mate, I knew the sister team had won. So, you know, I had to look sad as far as HRT, but then came up one. So <laughs> don't worry, I went, and ha-
1: I, went and- I went and had a Kmart beer that night. I can give you the tip. Happy days. It's an always evolving game, technically. You've talked about some of the young blokes you've brought through, which is tremendous. Is there an innovation in, in all the many years that you've done this, one where you went, holy hell, this is this is bloody special, or something that that was a significant leap forward that you'll always remember.
0: Well, the the thing that uh, and it turned into a bit of a political animal. So we had a guy working for us. He's now he's now part owner of Albans Off Road. Steve McDonald. Stretch. He's a big guy, anyway, tall guy, not big, but anyway, he came up with the idea, um, and Steve was a clever engineer and thought outside the square. He he worked for for us at Nissan Motorsport, so I got him to come over when we just had a, a little one lathe and we ended up, as you know, we had a fairly big machine shop, which which he ran. But he came up with the idea of putting air behind the piston, the brake pistons, on a brake pad change and pushing the pistons back. So we got away with that for three years. <laughs> and bloody Robbie Starr, I mean... Ro- cuz the front guys would try and race each other so we'd practice it look like you're pushing the piston like look like you're uh, pushing the pistons back <laughs> when when it was Fred on the air jack and he had a little tap so he just tapped it and and the pistons just shot straight back so reset done re- reset so so Robbie would go open the gate and go and then drop the pliers and pull the pads out and obviously before too long we got found out, but that innovation, that was something I was I never forget. It was as I said, we got away with it for for so many years. I mean, we used to have to time ourselves not to do the pit stop too quickly. Too fast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So You've made a tree change as you as you talked about, which I think's awesome, yeah. Jeff. You uh Benalla now, Winton of course. Just explain for people that don't know what your role is there, and and the changes you've already made to the facility too.
0: Yeah, no, I, look, I was I was very fortunate, or Jane and I were mate. We were we got the opportunity to uh, get I got the opportunity to get the job at at uh, Winton, which had come up, and uh, so we decided to migrate out of which <laughs> in COVID times, mate, we couldn't have picked it better, but. Um, so I'm operations manager up here. Um, again, got a great team of people, um, right throughout the organization. So, you know, Benalla Auto Club is, is quite a healthy club. It's got, it's got the Wakefield facility run by Dean Chapman and his team. Um, I, I run Winton with my team and, uh, the Padella the club Cubs got a very strong committee with a strong executive r- really good guys um, my boss is obviously um, Chris Lewis Williams CEO um, he's a forward thinker as as is the executive of the committee so we we want to we want to try and future proof cuz it needs it you know we want a future proof um, Winton and, and Wakefield for the next fifty years because you know it's an important part of a, uh, economy and income for the region. So we're forever improving. We've got some we've got some exciting plans that that um, I obviously can't disclose over a podcast. But you know maybe a new pit lane. We want to extend. We would like to extend. The track and and bring in a fast element like a like a hay shed style of corner. Oh, fantastic. Um, yep. At at Phillip Island, Phillip Island. Um, mm-hmm. a new pit lane facility, uh, which is and, and a really, I've had some plans drawn up and and if we can get some of that, we we the, we'll need a hand. we will need some government money to help but again the the executive uh, the executive of the auto club have got talented people on there and um we'll we'll plan it right i i hope in my tenure some of that plan gets through um and we're cleaning the place up as well doing all the all the mundane stuff but um as you know rusty you know street with the covid thing permanent circuits will be you know they they're looking better than a than some of the street circuits because of the yeah. cost, and yeah. um, but we need to we need to have the permanent circuits up to scratch, and that's that's our ambition at at uh, Winton to try
1: and do that. Great stuff, mate. Great vision. I, I love that. The thing that's become so obvious throughout this whole chat, Jeff, you reflected at the beginning about the wonderful affinity you had with your your dad and working in the engineering shop and the mechanical side of it, but for you for the great success you've had in in racing it's really been about people management at the same time hasn't it and learning to work with all different types and get the best out of them
0: yeah it is it is and and look I, i've been fortunate. mate i've been more than fortunate that uh and still are with with the people we've got at winton i'm more than fortunate to um be privileged to work with those people you know and you don't always get it right. Sometimes, you know, um, in in earlier days, I, I, I was always known as being a bit abrupt and and stuff. And I've tried to learn not to. But but part of that success story is always is is more attributed to the people that have been around than than any one person. And um, I, I'm very grateful for that that journey and still on a journey. Um, you know that I've enjoyed and shared that with people that I work with.
1: Great stuff. Two questions to finish. Firstly, um, fans of the podcast love a great Barry Sheen story. Um, you you <laughs> tend to think of of, of of stars like Barry as only ever, you know, hanging with, with um, movie stars or James Hunt or whatever it might be. But he actually had a nice relationship a good friendship with with you and you'd occasionally have dinner together and things like that when we were working at the races what 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 was he like can you share a little yarn or two about Baz for what
0: Barry achieved in his
1: life is in motorcycling was was second
0: to none and then in commentary you know but he was like everyone else he wanted to be a bloke and he wanted to have a beer and whatever and and we'd often you know if if we we're up there like early, earlier on in the weekend. We'd catch up for a meal, and um, he he was very helpful to uh my brother-in-law. We just got onto the subject of chronic fatigue syndrome, which he had, and yeah. and I told him, oh, my brother-in-law's been dying, and he he actually rang Andrew up and and, and actually helped him. But but the <laughs> but. The, the thing, and I, I just there's a couple of things I probably can't talk on <laughs> on on air on, but the one that really, so, it, remember in uh, in Adelaide when Craig had a crash, he hit Osborne off, and we got a big fine. He started back at the grid, and anyway, Craig won the next day, and he would really ghost you into saying stuff that you 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 wouldn't normally say. <laughs> anyway. He's come down pit lane, and we were absolutely, we'd had a tough weekend and Craig won. It was just fantastic. And he came up and he said, Oh, Jeff, you know, after the weekend, what do you reckon you're going to do? And he, he he didn't, he had the microphone, well, like it was just like a normal chat. And of course, I didn't know we were on here. I said, Oh, mate, I'm going to go home and have fucking VBs, you know? <laughs> and he, and he's as I've said that, like ever, said, he's lifted the microphone. Well, wow, mate. I had Peter Hannenberg,er who was then the chairman of Holden. People were ringing up because their, their kids were watching, and I sworn and said VBs. And I tell you, I was in more I, I was in more shit than a Werribee duck. I can give you the tip. Um, so, so uh, and 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 he and I went red, and and he dropped the virus, He said, "Ah, oh, got your arsehole. and then oh... Uh, Shit, and I knew I was in. I, I didn't need the phone calls that night or in the morning because I knew John Kreenan was the first on the phone. Obviously, um, rip me and
1: you, arsehole and uh, and then it proceeded from there. So, and if I know Baz, he would have had a laugh with you that night about it. He wouldn't have worried Baz in the slightest, would it? Yeah, no, no. He, he thought
0: it was great TV. Said so we've got to do more of that. I said, Barry, you ever do that to me again? You know,
1: a cat's only got nine lives, and I used oh. up eighty-one hit. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous story, Jeff. I love it. Final one, final one, if we can, mate. Um, can we finish with the car for you? Uh, over all the years, some people that that have come on the podcast, it's it's a tool for the job, and it's about the success the car has. For others, there is a, a passionate attachment. Is there one over your entire time and all the great things that you've done that you look back on and you go, well, you know, that one, that was a special car.
0: Oh, uh, it have to be the VK eighty four big banger. Yep. Yeah, 05, 05, yeah. Amazing. That was, I I mean, as a young bloke and I had, you know, LP, LP at that stage had confidence in me that with the rest of the guys, with the with Mort and Part and all that, we all had our, it was only, I mean, full time there was five blokes. So, you know, he let me do work on and construct a lot of stuff on the car and then we got the one, two. As a young bloke, that was a piece of me. You know, I thought, Jesus, that's um, that was just phenomenal. So that's always stayed in my heart, that car, and it always will be, to be honest, Greg.
1: Yeah, very special. The uh, Bathurst one too, for such at such a young age, and a car that is looked upon today by all sorts of generations as just iconic, Jeff, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and probably the iconic finish to that weekend. Was when I'd had too much to drink and I threw up on the chairman of Holden oh, Holden's no, table dude. with his wife <laughs> Chuck Chapman, yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it wasn't a good look, I can tell you. Uh, but anyway, mate, you've done some phenomenal things, Jeff. I, I hope you have had a moment to pause and be proud because you should. You've worked with some incredible teams, some incredible drivers. And and been a part of some real significant achievements. Thank you for sharing a, a a bit of that. And I know people will really have have enjoyed what you've been able to chat with us about. Thank you.
0: No, I really appreciate it, Greg. And um, look, it, it's been a great journey. It's been a great journey with you, you know, in pit lane. We've had we've had ourselves had a lot of laughs and a lot of gags. And look, I appreciate I appreciate the chat. It's Just. Pity we were out together having a few beers and and carried on with it, but it was great. Thank you.
1: Rusty's Garage is recorded for Podcast One. Written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series producer and editor is Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. If there's someone you want me to talk to on Rusty's Garage, get in touch on the show page at podcast1australia.com.au. To listen to more episodes, search Rusty's Garage Podcast. Listen for free at podcast1australia.com.au or download the app. I'm Greg Rust. Enjoy the drive, but drive safely.